The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, beautiful people? Welcome to Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas. Let me welcome back my good friend and my mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Adams. What's going on, Steve? Hey, greetings from scenic Pacoima in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. Doing well. Uh, the games that wrapped up today, several really good games. And uh, I got to say, you know, overall, the quality of the games have been really, really good in this tournament. It really has. <laughs> it's really been a, a very interesting tournament. I mean, all the own goals, the questionable uh, officiating so far, a lot of surprises. Well, and the fact that you've had so many games being played in so many different countries, I mean, mostly traditionally with this event, it's usually, you know, like one country or, you know, in some cases you might have two countries co-host like a couple years ago when Ukraine and Poland. Mm-hmm. Uh, co-hosted back in um, 2012. Yeah, it's actually interesting. You know, in 2008, I believe it was Switzerland and Austria. In 2000, it was uh, it was it was the Netherlands and Belgium. That's correct. Yeah, but you know, you know, the the fact that we had to wait one extra year for this to come, but you know, it's still too early for me to tell whether or not the wait was worth it. Well, I mean, you know, again, there's, there was just so much drama and so many good games. And, you know, for the most part, teams were not parking the bus. You know, people, the, the games have been fairly open and a good amount of goals. So uh, overall, I've been very happy uh, with this Euro tournament. Uh, for sure. And, you know, in my case, you know, France winning the group, you know, surviving the group, the group of death. You know, it's, you know, with uh, also with, you know, with Sweden, you know, pulling it off, you know, winning their group. And it's just, you know, <laughs> so far there have been surprises. And, and, you know, Belgium, you know, topping their group, you know, that's no surprise. And Italy winning their group. Same thing with the Netherlands. So expectations have gone well. There's been a few surprises, but the group stage is officially over. Yeah, you know, finished off today, so now we know as far as, like, the, the round of 16, the Sweet 16, 
you know, however you want to call it, um, the matches are all set now. Well, well, before we get officially to the round of 16, there's, there's a few group stage things we really got to talk about, especially in your case, because Scotland was in the tournament for the first time since 1996. And I hate, to, I hate to do this to you, Steve, but I was three years old when Scotland was last in the Euro tournament before this one. Well, the thing that people will remember a lot from the 96 Euros when Scotland was there is that Paul Gascoigne of England scored an absolute uh, poster-type goal. You know, basically did a rainbow, lobbed the ball over his head, finished the ball on a volley to, to beat Scotland. Um, probably, probably one of the best goals that Paul Gascoigne ever scored in an English jersey, which is saying something because he was he was quite the player. But yeah, Scotland, uh, you know, it's a team that really doesn't have much of a X factor type player. Um, they had the the bad situation of uh, Billy Gilmore of Chelsea, who played so well for Scotland in their 0-0 draw against England. And Scotland had chances uh, to, to cash in, um, had one effort that was cleared off the line. So they they played really well against England, I thought, to get the draw. But then in the third and final match, they absolutely needed to win against Croatia to have any prayer of getting to the last 16. They absolutely had to beat the Croatians. And... Uh, the Croatians just had they had a smart game plan. They executed. Um, Modric scored. The go-ahead goal by Modric was just a, a total thing of beauty for the Croatians. So uh, Scotland does not make it through to the, the next round. Um, you know, it was kind of unfortunate, but you know, at least at least they they made it to one of these major tournaments, and who knows, maybe Scotland. Can use this as a as a, a jumping off or a demarcation point as far as to try to qualify for the World Cup and Cutter. That would be huge, um, but you know, and I was watching that game, England versus Scotland. You know, and I frequent a pub uh, called the Londoner. It, there's two locations. There's one down in Addison, and there's one in Colleyville. And I know the owner personally. He's a great guy, and and not not surprisingly, when I went to the game, England versus Scotland, it was full. Well, that's a big grudge match, and in the Metroplex area, I mean, you've got, it's such an international city, you've got people from everywhere, so I'm sure there was no shortage of Scottish and England fans that were at that game. Oh, for sure, and, you know, and, and I told you the story, you know, watching the game with some Scottish supporters, you know, one of them, you know, bought a, a shot of whiskey for everybody, and because I respect Scotland, Scottish culture so much, I, I want to learn more, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take one, I really appreciate that, and... Man, Scottish whiskey, man, that's something strong, dude. I gotta tell you. Well, you had Langabulin, and Langabulin is a Ela Scotch. And for maybe some of your listeners who haven't drank much as far as Scotch whiskey, uh, the Scotches that are from Ela, like Ardbeg, like Laphroaig, like Langabulin, they're very smoky. They're very peaty Scotches. Um, for some people, they could be a really acquired taste. It's not necessarily a scotch that somebody is going to start off with, but still, mad props to the person for for getting you a wee drum. Yeah, you know, it was just such an experience, you know, because you know the place was full. I, I couldn't get a spot, and they just invite me over. You know, it, it was a blessing, and 
Yeah, but you know this game. I mean, I really, I really want it to be part of something because, like you said, it's a grudge match, and since I love to learn, I want to, I want to, I wanted to know what it was like to be in a pub when England and Scotland played with supporters from both sides in that game. And thankfully, this didn't happen. But I said, I said to myself, if 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 a bar fight happens, well, it's not going to be a surprise because it's likely to happen when these two nations play. Well, I think the I think for a lot of the fan base that's here. I think they're going to leave some of the hooligan stuff uh, by. And from what it looked like, as far as like some of the tape I saw of London and stuff, it, it seemed like the fans generally were behaving themselves. They were giving, itself, giving themselves a bit of stick, which they are want to do because it's, it's the oldest rivalry in, in world soccer. There's no, there's no rivalry that has been longer internationally. I mean, this goes back to the 1870s. So... Um, but that that unfortunately was Scotland's highlight of of the trip. So so uh, it was too bad. But um, you know, others there were certainly a lot of other stories from the preliminary rounds. Definitely, and you know, Denmark. You know, I, and you know, when I got the you know I got the news from you about what happened with, with Ericsson, at, at first I was uh, you know I was like, oh, did he get hurt? Like you know, did he bad tackle? Is it just an injury? But then I pulled over because I was drunk. So then I pulled over and I look over like, wow, this is this is serious. This is not just a simple injury because they said that he collapsed, but they still hadn't disclosed what what had caused it. It's it's been now ruled that he went into cardiac arrest. But but man, you know, it was it was just it, it was scary. Well, they were doing compressions on him on the field, and they were doing chest compressions on him for quite a while. It's I think it's unfortunate that the cameras decided to stay on them uh, while that was going on. I mean, after a little bit, you know, fans gave their flags to the players so that the flaggers, the players could hold the flags up uh, to at least give, uh, give Erickson and the, the medical staff some modicum of, of privacy while this, you know, really potential tragedy uh, played out. Um, I mean, it was it's, it's definitely one of the harder things I've ever seen as far as on on live TV. It's certainly the hardest thing I've ever seen um, at a soccer match watching live. But uh, you know, incredibly, you know, the fast actions, the fast actions of uh, Erickson's teammate uh, chair getting him, you know, on his back so that his airway could be. You know, better open the the players signaled frantically for the staff to come over. Uh, the staff got there in short order, um, and along with the compressions, they used a defibrillator uh, to get his heart sh- shock back into a rhythm. Uh, got him to the hospital, um, but I still maintain that this game should have been stopped. I think they they put the Danes into a really, really tough situation by asking them if they wanted to continue or not. Uh, they ended up continuing the game. Finland gets gets a goal. They get uh, a famous win. Finland had never been in a big tournament before. Finland gets a huge win against Denmark. It was a big upset. And they really couldn't enjoy it because of the, the events of all that. And then um, the Danes were able to come off the deck from that, and then in their last group match playing at home in Copenhagen, 
uh, cheered on by the crowd, by the solidarity of playing for their fallen teammate. Uh, they absolutely blitzed the Russians, 4-1. to one. Uh, The Danes, incredibly, after losing their preliminary match uh, to Finland, Denmark now finished second in the group, and then now Denmark will play Wales in the, in the round of 16. It's definitely going to be interesting. And as far as the match continuing, this was not really, this was not confirmed. One of my fellow writers, uh, Brady Podlowski, who's also a soccer writer, he insists that Christian Eriksen, like, begged the team, like, to play on, uh, you know, I didn't confirm it, you know, I mean, I mean at the end of the day, we, we don't know. I mean, I mean, I know that Eriksen would have, I'm sure that, you know, because he's he's such a great player, he's dedicated, he would have loved for his team to continue, but, but the fact of, of the matter is, and this is my honest opinion, I really don't think that the game should have gone because both teams would not have been fit to go both, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Because, you know, this is something scary. When some dude just collapses, you don't know why. You don't even know if he's going to survive or not. I mean, th- this, you know, this affects just the momentum. Watched... Dude, you just watched them do CPR on your teammate on the field. There's no way that... The... And you can tell, you know, when they restarted, you can tell that, you know, the Danes, their head just really wasn't in it and understandably um you know i think uefa uefa should have taken the bull by the horns and just said look we're going to do the right thing we're going to postpone this match you know we'll come back tomorrow you know we'll start the second half and we'll just go from there um i think i think that would have been the more fair thing to do i mean in the end it doesn't really matter because in the end the the Danes were able to you know play their way um, into the round of 16 great for them you know it's it's a it's a great story it's one of the it's one of the better stories uh, from the preliminary round for sure and at the end of the day they found a spot in the knockout round <laughs> all right and so before we get around let's we got to talk about the group of death. I mean, <laughs> France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. And I, I can't help but praise <laughs> Hungary for just being so resilient, so brave. In Hungary, even though Hungary, unfortunately for them, they, they couldn't find a way to get through, this team really has nothing to be ashamed about. I mean, if anything, they should be proud of themselves. Well... I think that, for starters, Hungary was a team that pretty much everybody, you know, myself included, I really thought Hungary was going to be the team that, you know, people were going to try to fatten up on, try to get the, improve their goal differential by, uh, by playing against Hungary. Well, in their first game against Portugal, they gave Portugal all kinds of problems. Yeah, Portugal won in the end, three zip. But Hungary gave them all kinds of problems. Uh, They scored first against France, were up one zip against the French. Uh, Greisman scores to tie that game up. But, you know, Hungary was not played out of the park by the really talented defending world champs in France. And then today, uh, Wednesday, the game against Germany and Hungary, again, you're thinking you're playing in Munich. You're playing the Germans, who just put a major butt hurting on Portugal over the weekend, beat them four to two, and you're thinking, 
uh, Germany should cruise in this. Hungary goes up early. They're up one zip. Uh, Germany ties it. Hungary goes ahead two to one. And then with five minutes left in the game, the Germans tie it. And all through the course of this game, ESPN is showing the, the, the live standings. And there was so much interplay and movement among all the different teams throughout the, throughout the day. I mean, in the end, um, came down to France, Germany, and then Portugal as a third place team. So, uh, but the but this group of death match, uh, this it, it absolutely played up to expectations. So much drama in all the matches, and mad props to the Hungarians, uh, the team, but then also those fans that filled up uh, the the stadium in Budapest. Uh, they absolutely filled it up. Great atmosphere, great noise. And um, it was it was by far and away the 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 most compelling, the most dramatic group um, I think within these Euros. Absolutely, and you know, and the fact of the matter is, France does not have a good track record against Hungary. Well, I mean, they also don't have necessarily the greatest track record against uh, Portugal, too. I mean, Portugal always seems to play France really, really tough. I mean, the Germans ran roughshod over, you know, Pepe uh, defense for Portugal over the weekend. Well, they tightened things up considerably today against France. So, yes, France does win the group. Um, don't exactly do it on great style points, but uh, they still get in. They still get the win. Um, their round of 16 matches against Switzerland, and uh, I mean that's a that's a very very winnable match for the Bleu. Uh, the Swiss got some really good play out of Shakiri in the preliminary round games. wasn't getting a ton of playing time for Liverpool this year, but uh, but Shakiri, you know, wearing that Swiss jersey. Uh, Scored some great goals and had some some great dishes. So, um, you know, France is still going to need to have a good game against Switzerland because Switzerland is going to feel they can let it all hang out. They've got nothing to lose because nobody is going to pick them to to beat France in the round of sixteen. Absolutely not, and and France knows that better than anyone that they have to get it together. I mean, they were lucky enough to beat Germany courtesy of an own goal. But I tell you that how solid and how fearless and resilient that defense was against Germany. I had never seen a French defense be so good, but there's been some a lot of questionable things, you know. And, you know, and today, uh, Pavel did not start. Uh, Didier Deschamps decided to put in uh, Jules Condé, the uh, one of the youngsters who plays. Uh, he plays for Seville, and and, and you know also you know he decided to put a formation. He put Corentin Taliso you know, in the in the forward uh, section, and I said, well. I got nothing against Toliso. He's a great player, but I probably would have, I just probably would have put in Kingsley Coman because Kingsley Coman, he goes on very well with uh, with Griezmann and Mbappe. I mean, so but but this game against Portugal. I mean, I, I was in that same pub and you know I was you know I was watching with with another French supporter and my dad and and I said to myself, look, Francis. I told I because I told the guy, look, no, it does matter. 
Okay, I don't want France playing Belgium or playing another heavyweight team in the round of 16. I mean, you know, it's 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 bad enough we were already in a freaking group of death, but but the game today, I mean, it was great to see Benzema score brace, but but when Hugo Lloris, I mean, I, I refuse to accept that it's a penalty. And of course, everybody says, well, you know, you're French, of course, obviously you don't say it's a penalty. I'm like, no, Lloris merely went for the ball, and it's unfortunate that as he went for the ball, he accidentally hit he hit the Portuguese player, but. Well, he hit the ball first. Yeah, he hit the number ball one, first, exactly. Number one, number one, he hit the ball first, and, you know, he he hit the Portuguese player, you know, on the follow-through. So I think that penalty was a bit harsh. Um, I, think the, I think the foul on Mbappe, that was kind of a borderline foul that, you know, I think Mbappe kind of milked it a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I still think the I still think the two all draw on the day for for Portugal and France. I think it was a fair result. I think it was a I think it was a decent showing by both teams. And um, you know, for the first time in his career, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had never scored against France before. Well, that streak ended, and uh, he scored a brace today, uh, yeah. both on penalties. See, that, that's, that's what the dude in the bar, one of these dudes was shouting, yeah, it's a penalty, big deal. I mean, the dude's obviously not a Ronaldo fan. And, you know, he, he came up to me because, you know, he overheard my dad telling a story about, you know, the 1984 Euro. And he just comes up, comes up to my dad and says, Platini broke, you know, scored nine goals in one tournament. Ronaldo did it in five. So <laughs> I, I could just tell that dude just, is just not a fan of Ronaldo. Well, you know, he's not wrong. However, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, on the one hand, you know, you have to admire the the fact that Ronaldo has been able to keep himself in such incredible shape, and also to keep playing at such a high level for so long. I mean, for a player to play in five Euros, it in of itself is a pretty incredible feat. But you know, if you're a goal scorer and you play in five tournaments, I mean, yeah, over time you're probably gonna pass everybody up. Platini's nine goals were his masterclass, uh, where he was just absolutely dominant for France in the '84 Euros. It was it was really Platini at his peak at that time. But uh, but I mean, you know, to put it in the comparison though, too, by the time Platini was Ronaldo's age, he'd been out of soccer for about six or seven years. Mm-hmm. He had because he was only 31 when he hung it up. So. Um, and the fact that Ronaldo still continues to play at such a high level, you know, you, you got to give the guy a little bit of credit. But, I mean, yeah, on the one hand, I can see where that one guy is coming from, that it took five euros for him to finally pass Latini. But, you know, uh, the fact that he's been able to play at such a high level to still keep getting picked for Portugal, that says a lot, too. It, it does, yeah. And, I, you know, got nothing against Ronaldo. Ronaldo is an amazing player, and... It, it, it was certainly good to see him and Benzema, you know, have a good time. You know, the Real, the former Real Madrid teammates, and and you know, and I'm and I'm glad you verified you know, the Mbappe uh, because you know from what I looked at, it really looked like Mbappe. You know, Mbappe pulled off a little Neymar trick. Like he, I, I feel like Mbappe might have just you know dove. He, he embellished it a bit. Uh, he sold it, but um, you know, I mean, sometimes this stuff happens. But you know, on the the day, you know, the VAR was checked and it was confirmed. So, I mean, there's really not much else you can say. That, that That's true. And 
But you know, for, but you know, as we go into the round of sixteen, I mean, it was just great to see Benzema score, and you know, and really, it really it makes you just forget it. Anything that this whole thing with Benzema about the whole scandal, I mean, it kind of makes you forget about it and you know, move on. And it it, it felt really good, basically. I mean, the penalty and, and the way he the way he picked apart that Portuguese defense on that play and scored that beautiful goal. It's welcome back, Benzema. Welcome back. So, but anyway. But now I'm looking at the round of 16, and really interesting. But and the way the way it's set up, I I never, I never like expected it to go this way. And what a lot of uh, supporters actually you know forget, like the Euro, what's different from the World Cup is in the Euro, some third place teams go to the knockout, and I have to, and I have to uh, stress some of them, not all of them. Only four, I believe, actually go to the go to the knockout stage. Well, I mean, to me. It's, it's really, frankly, kind of ridiculous that you play this many matches to eliminate really just a handful of teams. And, you know, sort of a similar thing is going on in the, the Copa America right now. There's two groups of five teams each. Four of the five will make it to the quarterfinals. So you're going to play all those round-robin games just to el- eliminate two teams. Well, here, in the end, they... Did all this playing to eliminate what you know eight teams right <laughs> well i think the change i think it's part of the change because keep in mind there was not always a round of 16 in the euro i believe five years ago was the first tournament for it was the first time a euro actually had a round of 16 yeah well you know i remember the first time i ever saw the euros i was a college student in paris and this was 1980 and the tournament that year was in italy there were just two groups of four teams. There were only eight teams at those Euros. So, I mean, a lot has changed in 41 years. Totally. I think Germany won it that year, didn't they? They did. Yep. West Germany. I think they beat Belgium in the final. Yep. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I do my research, but yeah, you know, then, you know, of course, 84, you know, my, you know, my dad always tells the stories, you know, because, you know, he was in France, you know, studying. He had completed his master's degree that summer, so he had a very nice one. So, but anyway, so looking at the round of sixteen, we're gonna go ahead and put our predictions. So we'll start off with game number one in Seville, Belgium versus Portugal. Yeah, I never imagined this one coming to fruition. I never thought Portugal would finish third in their group. Um, I still think I still think Belgium is gonna take this one. Belgium has played really, really well. Lukaku is just in amazing form right now. Uh, this past year, I mean, he got himself super fit. I mean, he's got to be at least 20 pounds lighter than what he was from when he was playing with Manchester United. Uh, his pace is so much better. His finishing, if possible, is, is even better. De Bruyne, you know, cheap orbital fracture and all uh, from the Champions League final. He's still playing unbelievably good ball. I mean, you've got so many really top-flight players on both sides. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, Jota. Um, although for Portugal, Bruno Fernandes has been really kind of missing in action for this tournament. Um, I mean, he's been so non-existent. I mean, he's probably on milk cartons somewhere in southern Spain. I mean, and I mean, in all seriousness, Fernandes has not had a, a really good tournament after he had such a fantastic season for for Manchester United in the EPL 
But uh, I'm going to take Belgium in this one. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And it's a shame, too. It's a shame that Bruno Fernandes is not doing well because, you know, the fact that, like you just said, he's doing amazing for for the Red Devils, for Man- uh, Manchester United. And, and, and I said before this tournament, like, you know, when you do that well, when you have all that hype, that potential, you're motivated, you know, that adrenaline is kicking in. I mean, you want to, you want to take that to your international duty. And unfortunately, that's not been the case. But, you know, as far as Portugal goes, I mean, that defense, you know, with uh, with uh, Ruben Diaz, um, you know, of course, you know, the the aging Pepe. And, you know, and speaking of Pepe, you know, I, I've noticed, you know, things have been different with him lately. Because, you know, how in his prime, he has kind of that no- notoriety for kind of being a, a player with a bit of an attitude and some of these hits. I mean, I've noticed Pepe lately, like, it hasn't been the case. I think because, you know, and I spoke to a Portuguese supporter and, and, and I said to him, well... I think Pepe's at a point of his life and career where he's kind of looking back at some of the things he did. And he's like, "Yeah, I really shouldn't have been like that." And he's trying to show the world, "Well, I made mistakes, and I want to, and I want to, you know, leave, you know, with my head up and leave, you know, on on good terms." But, but Pepe is really—he's still playing great. I mean, he's obviously not as good as he was during his prime, but you know, but for a thirty-eight-year-old player, it seems like he's still got a little bit of a, a little bit of a game in him. But, uh, see to me, see to me. I think Germany really exposed him as being slow. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, I mean, he did not have a very good game against the Germans. No. And I just, you know, um, I mean, yeah, there certainly is maybe kind of a leadership factor and and all that, but um, you know, I I just don't think he's had a, a terribly great tournament so far. Now. Somebody who, or I should say a team that has had a really good tournament, arguably who's looked the best out of everybody in the first round, Italy. Uh, Whoever wins the Belgium-Portugal game gets the winner of Italy versus Austria. Oh, that's going to be huge. And and before we get to that, uh, I think Belgium, yeah, Belgium definitely wins. Uh, Portugal will will put up a fight, but, 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 you know, and, and we've said this before. I mean, you, you, Steve, you made this... 100% 100% abundantly clear. The current Belgian golden generation, this is their final shot of winning a title, okay? So they're going to they're going to fight tooth and nail, you know, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes and they're not going to have any mercy on, on Portugal. So I I I think Belgium is driven in that that deep and with that talent, I I think Portugal is going to be overwhelmed and they're they're just not going to be able to take care of it. I think that's why Belgium wins, but anyway, well, as far as Italy goes, you know, you know, I hate to do this because, of course, you know, they're on a 30-game unbeaten streak, okay? You know, and, and I did a small episode on this on the show. This was the previous episode. Like, I, I hate to do this, but, like, while the streak is impressive, you know, you know, and everybody says, like, you know, who has Italy really played that's, you know, that, that's a challenge. I mean, they've played the Netherlands. They did play that kind of game, but... But while that that is true, I mean, you, you can't take you, you can't take anything away from Italy. I mean, Italy looks really good. They've been, I, I think, at least as far as the first round goes, I think the two most impressive teams to me have been Italy and Holland. Absolutely, and you know, but of course, everybody argues that Italy was in a was in a quote easy group. Uh, you know, I like to tell people, like, well, look, there's no such thing as as an easy group, so. But uh, Roberto Mancini's got him playing just phenomenal ball. This is nothing like the Italy, if you watched ball back in the 80s and the 90s, where the Italians, you know, Catanaccio, you know, just defend, 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 try to get the goal on the break. 
this is nothing like that type of uh, Italian team. This is a team that's got attacking flair. They've got players who can finish. Um, I think I think Roberto Mancini has done just a really masterclass job with uh, Italy. I mean, that 30-game winning streak, it, it, t- it ties the record that went from 1935 to 19, 1939. <laughs> they play Austria now. You know, Aust- Austria certainly put up a, re- a respectable performance in their group. You know, they were with... Uh, with the Netherlands, with Ukraine, and North Macedonia. So, this, this game is certainly going to be interesting. I mean, this is definitely going to be a test for Italy, as great as they've been. You know, and I wouldn't count out Austria. You know, they finished with two wins and a loss, so... But I still think... I, I really do have to go with Italy, but... But it, but don't expect Austria to, to just lay down for them. I mean, Austria is really going to make them fight. Yeah, no doubt. Um, next game, France-Switzerland... Um, I mean, here's the thing that's good for France. Um, they won their group. Maybe they didn't win it with as much style points as the fans would have wanted. Um, but the bottom line is, is they, they did win their group. They've, uh, they kept, they've only got room to improve. And, um, I, I think in this one, I think, uh, Deshaun will bring Pavard back. Uh, to start on his defense, but um, but I think France should have no trouble with Switzerland in this match. I mean, the game is you know five days from now. I think Baval is good is going to be fine, and 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 one of the supporters you know that was in the pub you know he's predict you know, and he reminded us of, of us of something. See, he 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 reminded us in Russia, France was awful in the group stage, and he was right. I mean, France you know barely beats uh, Australia, you know gets literally gets you know. Outshined by Peru and, get, and gets lucky because you know Mbappe you know, literally caught the. If you remember how Mbappe scored that goal, I mean the Peruvian goalkeeper was totally caught off guard and Mbappe snuck through the back door. But but the bottom the, the point is is like France you know was awful in the group stage and then once the knockout stage came in they they finally came to life. I mean that game against Argentina and the way they just kind of cruised the, their way through the knockout stage to win the title. So I mean you know he, he could be right because he he still believes that Angelo Conte. I mean, he already—he's already—he—he—he he, he told me to say this on my show because, and he's subscribed to the show. He—he he told me to say, Angelo Conte is going to win the Battle of I mean, he's heavily predicting it, and he still believes Angelo Conte is going to be the best player of this tournament. So, so I'm—I'm I'm going to take him up on that. I mean, France could come to life. I mean, they're going to have to beat Switzerland very convincingly, and they're going to have to—they're—because they play the winner of the Croatia and Spain game, and either way, it's going to be tough for the—it's going to be tough for Les Bleus. That was kind of a pick 'em game. Uh, Spain uh, had a miserable time trying to finish against Sweden. Uh, held to a draw there. Held to a draw their second match. Well, today against the Slovaks, the Spaniards found the net multiple times to the tune of five goals and blowing the Slovaks out five zip, so that uh, they ended up taking uh, second place in the group because Sweden won. They got a late winner in their match against Poland today, so Sweden actually won that group. But, uh, you know, here you got Croatia, who's captain, Luka Modric, happens to play his club ball in Spain, so he knows a lot of these players on the Spanish squad. You know, and, uh, I mean, a lot of people are going to keep saying, well, yeah, the Spain team, it's not like the, the vintage that won European titles 
in uh, 2008, 2012, and were World Cup champs in 2010. But, you know, it's still a pretty decent side. Um, I think on this one, uh, I would I would like to see Croatia win because I would love to see another matchup with Croatia and France in the quarters. But I think this one, I think, I think Spain's going to come out on top on this one. And I think we'll be looking at a France versus Spain uh, quarterfinal. It'll be tough. And what's interesting about the current Spanish team is, you know, there's no Andreas Iniesta. There's no Sergio Ramos. There's no Gerard Piquet. Well, I mean, uh, is Piquet still on the team? I gotta confirm that. I haven't. I actually didn't look at the squad, but I don't believe he is. Okay, but you know, but but anyway, you know, without you know Ramos, without uh, Iniesta, you know, and, and that golden generation. I mean, Spain is Spain is just far from that team that they were, you know, not long ago. You know, to win two Euros in a row and win the World Cup. You know, with that phenomenal tiki taka tactic. Uh, it's totally a different team, but you know, with with Spain, I mean, that's still a game that worries me because France, you know, always has a hard time against against the Spaniards. Well, Croatia tends to play France pretty tough too, so um, you know, we'll we'll see about that. Um, but but yeah, I'm going to be going with uh, Spain and France meeting in the quarters. All right. So now we get to Sweden and Ukraine. Hmm. Well. You know, much to my surprise, you know, I, I really didn't think Sweden would, would win the group. And in that game, that draw against Spain, now Spain dominates every aspect but cannot score. Sweden was overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed, and they still managed to get a point out of that. I mean, you gotta, you, you really gotta, you really gotta tip the hat off to Sweden, for, you know, for surviving a game that really just, you know, that song really get bullied all over the pitch. Yeah, by the time that game was over, the Swedish goaltender had to be feeling like a clay pigeon getting shot at so much. So this was kind of like the the surprise uh, wild card round of 16 match. Uh, Ukraine finished third in their group. Uh, again, nobody thought Sweden would win that group. Most people picked Spain to win that group. But, um, you know, I thought uh, Sweden showed a lot of heart and, um, you know, in Forsberg, they've got a guy who can find the back of the net. I think the Swedes will beat the Ukrainians in this one. I really, yeah. Sweden, I have no doubt Sweden's definitely going to win this game. Well, you want you wanted to talk about interesting games, Steve? Well, ask and you shall receive, my friend, England versus Germany. Talk about a grudge match. And, uh, you know... The only fan group that was probably tougher on their team for winning the group than maybe French fans, English fans in the English press uh, were, have really been giving this English squad you know, quite the going over in the press. I mean, particularly after the, the 0-0 game with, uh, with Scotland, where they just looked, frankly, impotent on their attack. But... Um, their attack looked a lot better when they would bring Jack Grealish, the the Aston Villa playmaker, when they brought him onto the field. You know, he makes things happen, and he was starting today, uh, or excuse me, in England's last game. So, undefeated England, yeah, they only scored two goals in three games. They didn't give up any goals. They had total clean sheet after three games, which is pretty incredible. Um but uh, Germany has been so up and down in this tournament. 
lost to France, uh, did not look terribly great, you know, when France shut them down, blew Portugal out of the ballpark over the weekend on Saturday. And then today, uh, Hungary had them just literally on the ropes and, um, the Germans were able to kind of hold on for the decision by getting that draw with uh, five minutes left. But, uh, you know, England has just always had a real bugaboo when they play Germany in major tournaments, whether it's the Euros, whether it's the World Cup. Um, the Germans, for the most part, I mean, notwithstanding the 66 World Cup final that uh, England won in overtime against Germany, um you know, for the most part, uh, the Germans have won these these uh, duels. They totally have. <laughs> the 1966 final. <laughs> you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, back then, obviously, you know, there was no way they could have overturned it. But when you look at today, yeah, that was definitely not a goal. No, no, it wasn't. And and Germany has not forgotten about it. You know. Because you know, a couple of German supporters today. You know, I, and I, I, I go around speaking to anybody. You know, it, it's part of the, it's part of my process to promote my show. Because, but anyway, but you know, I, I would tell, I would tell the supporters, well, look, you guys have, you guys, all, everything y'all have won since then. I mean, you know, compared to England, so, so really at this point, you know, why should it really bother you? And just like they're just, they're like, well, you know, what bothers us is that when a team wins a title ch- under cheap circumstances at our expense, yeah, we don't forget that. But, <laughs> well, but you know what, too. <laughs> But you know what, too? Uh, there's a lot of England fans that still haven't forgotten Maradona and the Hand of God goal against England in the 86 World Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, in that game, Maradona also scores arguably the greatest goal ever scored in World Cup history. But even this many years you know, down the road, a lot of England fans, when the subject of Argentina or the subject of Maradona comes up, it doesn't take long for them to to go back to that hand of God goal. And I th- goal, and I think, you know, for German fans, I think that uh, they kind of felt hard done by, you know, that decision. I mean, England ended up scoring a later goal in overtime to truly ice it. But um, but yeah, you know, sometimes fans uh, they they just have long memories. All right. Well, who do you have winning this game? Ah. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Germany on this one. I, I just think that uh, they'll have the hoodoo still over England, uh, especially if it goes to penalties. Um, I I think Germany wins this one. Yeah, I have to go with, with Daimannschaft. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, and, and this is no disrespect, because you know, England has, has, you know, particularly these players, you know, England, much like France, loaded with talent, but... They have the same problem that France has. It's the mentality, and it's the it's the inability to survive, you know, while under pressure. So, and with Germany, you know, Germany, they're looking at their chops. You know, the fact that they went, you know, they lost their opening game. You know, they they literally fight through to finish second. You know, they're they're not gonna let up now. I mean, now they're in they're in full mode. They're willing, you know, to tear anybody apart in their way. So, and with England, you know. Not having, you know, the putting the best results in the group stage, you know, and unless England can, you know, get it together and pull off the miracle, but I'm, there's really, those chances are kind of minimal, minimal at best. So realistically speaking, Germany has to be the favorite. Holland and the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. Boy, the Netherlands looked really good 
and I mean, yeah, they gave up two late goals against Ukraine to make the match kind of tight, and then they ended up winning it at the end. But uh, Gene Wijnaldum, it's like the minute he throws a Dutch jersey on, he becomes a goal scorer. Um, his play with Liverpool when he plays in midfield, he does a lot of hard work in the midfield. We'll get the occasional goal, but uh, he's definitely more of a goal scorer when he puts that orange Dutch jersey on. He just becomes a whole different player. I think part of it is also, too, just the system that he's allowed to, to operate in. Um, whereas with Liverpool, he's not expected to score goals. That's being expected of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. Uh, but uh, when all of them had just a fantastic tournament for the Dutch, and um, I don't think they'll have a whole lot of problems with the Czechs. Uh, I mean, the Czechs, you know, they've had a good tournament so far. I mean, they scored, you know, probably the the goal of the tournament with that 48-yard lob that they scored against Scotland in the first game. Um, you know, and they certainly gave, gave England all they could handle, too, in, in their match in preliminary round play. But I, I just think the Dutch have way too many weapons for the, for the Czechs. I think Holland takes this one to the next round. Totally. And as far as the, the Czech Republic goes, they really haven't been the same since uh, since 1996, have they? I mean, I mean, who will forget that that get that team? And, you know, with, with, with the Czech Republic, there, there's something about this uh, national team like. They don't seem to be well in the World Cup, but when it comes to the Euro tournament, they seem to be a different team. Like they qualify for the Euros, they have respectable performances, but with this Czech Republic team overall, you don't know how they're gonna show up. I mean, they have a habit of just you know surprising us. Like, but you know, but like you say, you know, there's there's no way to top the fact that you know the Dutch are a very well loaded team. So, and, and the Czech Republic has always been kind of known for being solid on defense with the midfield. I mean, that's kind of how they were in, in 1996, but but that was 1996. This is 2021, but but the fact, you know, they scored that goal and, you know, the fact that that Scottish goalkeeper, you know, runs into the net and get, got tangled in the net, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's embarrassing. But, but I expect the Czechs, I mean, I, I'm sure maybe the first 20 minutes they're probably going to, frustrate the Dutch a bit, but then, you know, the Netherlands are only going to get upset about it and, and then really, you know, put the pressure on their own, but the Netherlands could win, but I would I, I would not want to count, count out the Czech Republic. And the winner of this one gets the other game that some people would call kind of a pick'em game. You've got the emotional favorite of a lot of neutral fans, Denmark, uh, playing Wales. And... Um, Wales looked good in their preliminary round games. They they actually gave Italy a very tough game um, in the last game of, of group play. Uh, Christian or um, but Bale has played you know very well. Aaron Ramsey has played well for the Welsh, and um, you know can can they possibly? duplicate their semifinal finish from the year, the last Euros in France from 2016. I don't know if they'll make it to the semifinals. I think that's, a, that's going to be a lot to ask. I do think they'll, they can, they can certainly beat Denmark. Uh, but boy, the Danes are sure riding a, 
an emotional wave right now, and uh, they certainly look clinical in uh, absolutely annihilating the Russians in their last match. Um, I'm going to take Wales in this one. And the fact that Denmark, with what their behavior is right now, I mean, with how motivated and with that, with everything they have going on right now, I really honestly believe I think Denmark is actually going to win this game. So, so for once, I'm going to have to go against you, buddy. And it's understandable. I mean, you know, it's, you can certainly go get, you know, you've got that, you know, is this, you know, a team of destiny, you know, not unlike 1992 when uh, they were called in to replace uh, Serbia. And um, the Danes ended up just riding shock after shock to, to win the Euro title back in 92. Um, it's interesting that there have been, you know, more teams, more different countries have won the Euros than have won the World Cup. I think the World Cup, I still think it's either, I think it's just seven countries that have won the FIFA World Cup. Whereas it's, it's way more than that that have won the Euros. As far as the World Cup goes, I think only three South American teams have won it. Brazil, Argentina, and, and Uruguay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's dominated by the Europeans. And, yeah, lately the Europeans have been winning the titles. But, you know, but, yeah. But this game, yeah, as far as Wales goes, I mean, it was it was unbelievable to see Wales make it to the Final Four, you know, five years ago. You know, we talked about how Iceland, you know, Knocked out England five years ago, and then you know, lost to France. But you know, you know, Iceland and Wales were totally the with totally the dark horses in that tournament. But you know, the the problem is for me. You know, I I had Turkey as a possible dark horse, and I'm like that decision really makes me feel like wow, I really got this wrong. They arguably had the worst showing of anybody at this World Cup. You know, I think I think North Macedonia actually played better. I think actually Scotland played better um but yeah the turks were by far and away the most disappointing team in this tournament i mean it's, it's a shame too because doing qualifiers they beat france at home and they uh, they drew against france in in paris so but um but yeah definitely very very disappointing tournament for the turks and you know considering that they were playing their matches in azerbaijan which you know they're kind of kindred folks, kindred spirits, um, you know, they're very tight, you know, politically and historically, the the Turks and the Azeris, but, um, you know, they, playing in Baku was not much of an advantage for the Turks in the end. Nope, not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve, it was an honor to finally have you on to talk a little bit about the Euro. It's really always an honor to have you on the show because, you know, I learn from you almost every time that we talk, buddy. Well, I appreciate that. It's nice to get together and chat with you. All right. Well, Steve, you have a good night, and everybody, y'all have a good night as well. Take care, everybody. Have a good rest of your week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.